you will, turn in your Bible to the book of Galatians, chapter 5, as we continue in our series on the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Galatians, chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. While you're finding that uh, text for this morning, I invite you to join me in a word of prayer as we pray for our nation, as we pray for the coro- uh, the, that God would bring a healing to our nation. God would bring healing also in this pandemic that we are in. Uh, you are welcome to lower your mask while I'm uh, uh, preaching up here. Uh, I believe we're far enough away from men Bill that he doesn't get the holy the holy spit coming off the pulpit here, um, but um, you're welcome to do that. If you're more comfortable leaving your mask on, then certainly do so as well. Uh, as we prepare our hearts for the message, would you bow and join with me in prayer? Our Father and our God, we give you thanks for this Lord's Day. Accept our offerings of praise and thanksgiving through song. And now, O oh Lord, prepare our hearts to hear what thus saith the Lord through, through this uh, message from your word. God, I pray your Holy Spirit will bring life and breath to the words that we read. And give us, Father, that filling of the Holy Spirit that we can be like you, a loving, kind, heavenly Father. Help us to understand how to be kind to those who are not kind and how to grow in Christ-likeness in a world that's filled with turmoil, anxiety, hatred, bitterness, envy, greed, malice, slothfulness, envying, and on and on. Teach us, Lord, how to be kind, that others may come to Christ and know Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. In his name we pray, amen. Verse 22 and 23 of Galatians chapter 5 reads, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there are no boundaries. There are no limits. There's no law. And you can be kind all the time and never break God's law. It's amazing. I'm, I'm all about Amish strawberry jam. Uh, I love Amish homemade strawberry jam. And there was an Amish family living in LaRue County that we bought jam from for a number of years. Then they moved to uh, another part of the state. But I found another group of Amish down around Sonora, Kentucky, and they make that same good strawberry jam. So I'm all about the strawberry jam. But as I began to travel that part of our state, I began to notice some signs on the side of the road I'd never seen before until just a few years ago. It said, just be kind. Have you seen those signs? You might have had them in uh, Meade County. I, I don't know. Um, we need to put those back up. Just be kind. Just be kind. Today we're going to talk about this fruit of the Spirit called kindness. We're going to talk about what do we mean 
by kindness. We're also going to talk about what part does kindness play in our Christian living. And then we're going to ask what needs to be done to produce this fruit of kindness. In the Old Testament, the word, the Hebrew word for kindness is kesed. And it literally means to bow down, to condescend in an appropriate way. When you apply that to the loving kindness of God, which is mentioned 176 times in the Old Testament, God, who doesn't have to, God who is holy other than us, God who is righteous in all He does, loves you and me enough that He looks down upon our sin and sinfulness and He is kind to us even when we are his enemy. God has been kind to us. You see it all throughout the um, Old Testament story of Israel. God was kind to Israel when they were not kind to him, when they doubted him, when they rebelled against him. God was still kind. And so this divine love of God that is expressed through acts of kindness is the Old Testament understanding of what this word means. You see the opposite of that in the story about Joseph. You remember Joseph and the many-colored coat that his father made for him because he was uh, favored by his dad. And you remember he told his brothers, "says someday you boys will, you older brothers, y'all going to serve me." And of course they did what brothers do; they put him in a well, and then they sold him, and uh, went down to Pharaoh, and he he prospered in Pharaoh's court. And Pharaoh put him in charge of everything. And so he continued to prosper. And then uh, Potiphar came along and his wife um, uh, tempted him to sin, to have sex with her. And uh, he would not do it. And she falsely accused him. And so he was thrown into uh, uh, prison. And while he's in prison, there are two other uh, servants of the king in the prison with him. One's a cupbearer and one's a cake maker. And he interprets the dreams of these two that are in prison. And he told the, uh, the, the cupbearer to the king uh, what his dreams meant. And he said, now when you go to tell Pharaoh what those dreams are about, you be sure and mention my name. He said, would you be kind to me and remember my interpretation of these dreams to, to Pharaoh? And, and would you just be kind and, and remember me? The Bible says that when the cupbearer went to the king, he was put back in his position to serve the king. Uh, the cake maker lost his head, but the cupbearer survived. And the cupbearer went on to prosperity, and the Bible says the cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him and left Joseph in prison. I think the day the world we live in has forgotten how to be kind. We're like the cupbearer. We want our part of being um, uh, advancing. We want, we want to get by with what we've got, but we don't want to share that with anybody else. And if I have a stroke of, of goodness or uh, a stroke of luck or a stroke of uh, blessing that happens to me, we want to hoard that and hold on to it and not share it with others. And that leads us to what a great definition of kindness really is. Kindness is about compassion. 
Kindness is about empathy. Kindness is putting yourself in the shoes of others. The cupbearer, when he got to the king's uh, throne and was interpreting dreams and got back into good standing with the king, forgot about what it was like to be in prison. And this is the day that we need to remember what it's like to be abused. We need to put ourselves in other people's shoes and understand what it's like to be left out. What it's like to be non-selected. I remember in the Air Force when I served, everybody was looking for their promotion letter. And it would start out reading, congratulations, you've been non-selected. What's it like to be looked over? What's it like to be chosen last to play baseball? You remember we used to choose up teams by putting hands up here like this? And um, I remember the guy on our little softball uh, games that we had on Sunday afternoon. I remember the kid that was never picked first or second or third or fourth or fifth. He was always picked last, and he had to live with that. Can you put yourself in the shoes of people who are overlooked? Can you put yourself in the shoes of people who need one act of kindness in their life that might be the very gold nugget that enriches their life and brings to them hope of getting out of whatever prison they may be in? That is the power of kindness. It can change a person's world. It can change a person's life. Just one act of kindness. So kindness involves empathy and compassion. It will transform someone's life. Kindness also involves benevolence and generosity. Benevolence and generosity. There's a story in the Old Testament of King David. After he'd fought his, the, the household of Saul... Saul, you remember, was king. He was jealous of David because he was going to be the next king. And uh, David finally had to go to war with the descendants of Saul and Saul's armies and all of that. And Jonathan, Saul's son, David's best friend, was killed also. But when the wars finally settled down, David asked the question, Who is there left in Saul's household for Jonathan's sake that I could show grace or mercy or compassion to? And they mentioned this young boy who had been about the age of four or five, maybe, who was the grandson of Saul, who in an accident, his mother dropped him perhaps, he fell at a very early age in life, and he had no use of his legs or his feet after he fell. And his only way of getting around was if somebody carried him. Somebody had to carry him. And his name was Mephibosheth. Say that ten times. Mephibosheth. And uh, Paul, uh, David, uh, King David, received word that Mephibosheth was the grandson of Saul, the son of J Jonathan, and he'd, he'd been dropped and he couldn't walk any longer. He was disabled. Somebody had to carry him. And he said, go get Meph Mephibosheth and bring him to my court. And the Bible says that Mephibosheth ate at the king's table as one of the king's sons. Now, here's a time where David is benevolent 
to a family that's tried to kill him. And yet he was generous. Now I want to work on that for just a minute here today and ask you about your acts of kindness. And I want us to ask in the church, are we that kind to people who need our help? The Mephibosheths of the world around us. I believe that the measure of a great church is how we treat the very people our world considers disposable. Now, during the pandemic, you will hear a lot of statistics about the age groups of people that are dying from COVID-19. And one of the highest age groups are those who are in rehab centers, nursing homes, places like that. Uh, and that population that's 60 and over. And I'm getting word back now that people who are facing the COVID crisis, the pandemic, and are at that age are feeling like they've been abandoned and that they are disposable. I know when we talk about the COVID crisis, we say, well, that's not going to bother me. That's those old people. They need to get off the planet anyway. They've been here long enough. Really? Does God not care about them too as well as you and your family and me and my family? I'm not old yet. I'm just 66. Who around you does the world consider disposable in the way? I think David had the heart of God. In fact, the Bible says in the book of Acts, he had the heart of God. And I believe God doesn't see anybody as disposable. God sees every person as a person of worth and value and deserves respect and dignity and our kindness. Having the heart of God, I kind of believe that David wanted Mephibosheth in, at the king's table because he needed him there. He needed him there to remind him just how vulnerable we are in this world. I never thought in 2015 when I retired from the Air Guard that two years later I would be in a rehab center and that I would be. And here's a guy that passed the Air Force fitness test for 29 years. And the very two years after retirement, I am in a rehab center and can't even walk on a walker. And, and finally I got to where I could walk on a walker. And, and I have been at the table with strangers who are never going to leave that rehab center. And I knew it. And God gave me that opportunity to slow down in my life. And when I encounter someone who has a special need that I take time to say hello. I take time to listen to their story. And what I've discovered is, these are some of the most courageous people on the planet of the earth. We need the Mephibosheths of this world in our church. They teach us something. 
They teach us about the kindness of God, the love of God, the patience of God. And we in our hurry and our scurry and our anxiety are overlooking those folks. If you want to upset God, you mistreat those who have special needs. God won't bless you if you're unkind to somebody in prison like Joseph. When we get to the New Testament, we find that same theme of God's loving kindness being expressed in the life of the Apostle Paul. The word for kindness in the New Testament is very close to the word Christos, that's Christ. Christos, or Creston, is the word for kindness in the New Testament. In the book of Romans chapter 2, the Apostle Paul says, Do not think lightly of the riches of His kindness and His forbearance and His patience, talking about the Lord, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. The kindness of God, the Bible teaches, is meant to lead people like you and me to be repentant and to change our ways. God is patient with us and forbearing with us. We're not getting by with anything. We're not fooling God with our uh, sin in the world and our dabbling in the sin of the world. Now, God knows where we've been, what we've been doing, how we've been behaving, how we've been acting. We're not fooling God. But He's patient with us that we might return to Him and grow in His kindness and His love for us. Now, the Apostle Paul, in the book of Corinthians, talks about kindness as one of his credentials on his resume to be an apostle. The churches still didn't trust Paul. And uh, where's your letter of recommendation? Don't you have a letter of recommendation from Jerusalem where the church first started? Don't, don't the church elders have a, don't you have some kind of credential, Paul? Some ordination certificate? Don't you have some letter which was often sent to bear witness to somebody's credibility? But Paul would write to the Corinthian church and he'd say, here's my credentials, here's my resume. Here's how you know that I am ordained and called of God. He says, my, Our only recommendation as servants of God is in much endurance, in afflictions, in hardships, in distresses, in beatings, in imprisonments, and in tumults. If you ask the Apostle Paul for his resume to come and preach in this pulpit, He'd take your shirt off and he'd show you the lashes on his back. That's quite a credential, isn't it? So in all this suffering, he says, in, in holiness, in knowledge, in patience, in kindness in the Holy Spirit, that gives you a clue about how to be kind. In kindness in the Holy Spirit, in genuine love, in the word of truth, in the power of God, by the weapons of righteousness. Paul's credentials to teach and preach the gospel to the Gentiles was not a letter of recommendation from Jerusalem, but was his personal experience of the kindness of Almighty God. Of all people, God deserved, uh, uh, Paul deserved to be in hell because he persecuted the church, he executed God's people, 
and yet when Christ appeared to him, he repented, he received the love of God, and now he's growing in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in his heart and his life. And of all the uh, characteristics he's growing in, he's learning to be the kind to the very people who imprisoned him, who beat him, who uh, exiled him, who ran him out of town, who tried to stone him. Paul said, be kind to those people. Because that's how God has treated us. So here's a definition of kindness. Kindness is a supernaturally generous. It's not normal for me to act kind towards somebody who's been unkind to me. It, it takes an act of God. It, it, it takes a change of my heart. So that's, that's why kindness is supernatural. It's a supernaturally generous orientation of our hearts toward other people. Even when they don't deserve it and don't love us in return. So point number two. The question is, what part does kindness play in Christian living? What difference does it make to be kind? Well, for one thing, Kindness is how we repair and reconcile relationships. In Hebrew or Jewish ethics, kindness is the path to repairing the world. Let me say that again. In the, in the field of theology and ethics in Jewish um, th theology, our Old Testament, kindness is the path to repair the world. We need to hear that in the unrest that our nation is in right now. Kindness is the path to repair the world. Proverbs says from the Old Testament, from Jewish ethics, whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life righteousness and honor there's a spanish proverb that says he who sows courtesy reaps friendships he who plants kindness gathers love when our nation was at war in the civil war abe lincoln was elected for a second term and in his message in 1865 in an effort to start Reconstruction in his inaugural address in a speech he gave there, which is now on the walls of the Lincoln Memorial in our capital. He cast a vision for fixing our broken nation. And he said, with malice toward none and with charity for all. It is the acts of kindness that will bring peace and justice to our nation. Even this week, on the CBS Evening News, you know, these news, um, CBS, NBC, and ABC, they all have a, like a one-minute segment at the end. Remember Walter Cronkite? That's the way it is, you know. And that's the way it is. 
there would always be a one-minute feel-good segment. And this week, I believe it was Thursday, there was a segment about a guy that delivered newspapers up in New Jersey. His name was Greg Daly. And Greg's out, you see him in the car throwing newspapers in the subdivisions where, where he's uh, working there early in the morning. And he got a note from one of the customers that said, I'm unable to walk from the house out into the yard. Would you mind dropping the newspaper at my uh, garage door? You know, the garage door going up and down. And so you see him throwing the paper and it hits the garage door. Boom! And it falls right at the garage door. And then he got to thinking, well, if this neighbor can't walk to the sidewalk to get the newspaper, wonder what's going on inside. And he found a senior adult who needed groceries, who needed a lot of things, but could not get out. And so he began to, he said, I'll get you some groceries. And then he found other people on his route that needed groceries. And he would, in the daytime, would go get some groceries and deliver. Now he has about 11 or 17, I forget the number, of young people working with him to help deliver groceries to people who just can't get out. And the CBS Evening News says, the last line of that little segment says, the power of kindness. It's everywhere. People are wondering, is that the answer to the problems of our world? Jesus was a kind and gentle Savior. And kindness in the midst of anger and hatred and bitterness is a game changer. Kindness is also essential in a healthy and a ha happy relationship of any kind, particularly the covenant marriage. Men, if you want your wife to uh, be more loving toward you, uh, be kind. Wives, if you want your husband to pay more attention to you, be kind. Well, he doesn't deserve it. Well, she don't deserve it. You know, he got to do this. He ain't got to do that. Break the cycle. Stop what's going on and be kind to one another. And you'll figure out that you actually love one another. I read a statistic this week that couples who are in arguments and fights, those who stay with it for another five years, 85%, that's a huge number, 85% will reconcile and find a way to work through whatever crisis they are in. 85%. So what needs to be done as we wrap up this message to produce this fruit of kindness. How do we become more kind? What do we do? Number one, it's very, very simple. Paul says it's the, it is the fruit of the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Remember he said in Ephesians, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. When you're drunk with wine, you are controlled by the alcohol. When you are filled with the Spirit, you are controlled by Christ. And He is God in us through the Holy Spirit. And God is kind. So be filled with the Spirit. And Jesus says it this way. And, and I never saw this passage until this week. This is exciting. Remember where Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is what? My yoke is what? What did Jesus say? 
my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That word easy is kind. Think about that. Now, to take the yoke of Jesus upon you does not mean that you've got another burden to bear. Oh, all these things I've got to do as a Christian. Oh, I just don't know if I can keep up. You know, I've got to stop this and I've got to stop that. I can't do this anymore and I can't do that anymore. And Jesus said, hey, being yoked with me is not about rules and regulations. You had enough of those under the Jewish law. You couldn't bear them anymore. Yoking up with me is saying, I'm the strong one, you're the weak one. Hang around me. Hang on to me. Hang with me. And I will show you kindness. And here's the meaning, as I understand it. If you are bound, that's what yoke means, to be bound with. If you are bound with Jesus, you are bound to be kind. Bound to be kind, meaning you will. And you're bound to be kind, meaning you're obligated. Huh? You are, you are obligated. You know, we use the word bound in, in a couple of ways. One meaning um, you're bound to do it. You're just going to do this. You're bound to do it. But we also use the word bound to mean you're obligated. The key is Jesus. The key to kindness is being little Christs. That's where we get the word Christian. Little Christs. I like what Richard Blackaby says, Christianity is not a, a set of teachings to understand, it is a person to follow. And that person we follow is the kind Jesus. This week I read my good friend who posts on Facebook, he said, uh, I went to grocery store, name's grocery store, and on the way in, he said, um, I took the uh, Clorox wipe and I wiped mine down. And he said, an elderly lady came by, and he said, can I wipe yours down too? She said, well, oh, sure. And he wiped hers down. And then she said, uh, he said, uh, uh, an African-American came by, an old man. And he said, can, can I wipe yours down for you? And he took the, because, you know, used to, when you went to the store, they did it for you. Now you got to do it yourself. So he grabs another Clorox wipe, and he wipes this one down. He said, so they go on into Kroger. They were nice. They said, thank you. He got into Kroger and said, both of them came back around at some point to tell me, thank you for wiping down my cart. And then he says, you'd have thought I had washed feet and handed out popsicles. It's a game changer. When you're in conflict, be kind. It's a game changer. Now back in the 60s and early 70s, we had a lot of racial tension in our country then. And there was a guy singing a song on the radio, and it went like this. If you see your brother standing by the road with a heavy load from the seeds he'd sowed, and if you see your sister falling by the way, just stop and say, you're going the wrong way. You've got to try a little kindness. Yes, show a little kindness. Just shine your light for everyone to see. And if you try a little kindness, then you'll overlook the blindness of the narrow-minded people on the narrow-minded street. Don't walk around down and out 
Lend a helping hand instead of doubt. And the kindness that you show every day will help someone along their way. Who wrote that? Glenn Campbell. Or sang it. Yeah. The world's waiting for us to show Jesus. And we do it by being kind. Will you bow with me as we pray? Our Father and our God, we thank you for your loving kindness said over and over and over again in the Psalms. Your loving kindness is everlasting. Ours were short when we try to be kind to people who are not kind back to us. Help us, Lord, to be filled with your Spirit and filled with Jesus that we want to be kind to everybody, whether they love us back or acknowledge it or not, because we do it because we're bound to Jesus. It's our duty, and it's our joy. And our life changes, too, and the world around us has changed. So give us, Lord, an opportunity this week to be especially kind to somebody, to demonstrate that love so that the world will come to know Jesus, a kind and gentle Savior. And I pray right now, if there's one here today that wants to give their life to Christ publicly, ready to follow through in baptism, that they'll come. Someone who wants to unite with our church from a sister church or like faith and order, I pray they'll come. May they come now while we sing. In Jesus' name, amen.